The Apostle Paul in in Ephesians chapter 1 hears about some people who have he discovers that they have found faith in Christ. And he's heard about you know the exercise of their love in relationship to that. It says in verse 15 after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all the saints. I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. That the Lord God, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. So he is... is opening a door for us in which that what you see and how you understand affects your living. And he's moving, endeavoring to move them past of just faith for salvation. They already have it. They're already believers. He's heard about them. They're already active. And yet, in his understanding, in his perspective, he knows there's such a dynamic in the work of Christ that he prays that there would be a spirit of wisdom and revelation that would be granted to them. And in this series, in our effort to survey the life of Christ... Uh, it was Jesus that said that something happened in Peter's life that hadn't happened in a lot of people's lives because when he posed the question who are you? Who do men say that I am? And Well they made you know made mention of some great names. Elijah. John the Baptist. A prophet. And yet, he was more than that. And so Peter, and if you want to put that up, Matt, Peter makes this great declaration. And the question is, as we walk, is who do you say Jesus is? (coughs) Do you have a Jesus view just from the crowd? Or do you have a Jesus view because the Father has revealed it to you. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said to him, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, 
But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You have to see the working of Peter's mind. You know, that information has translated to revelation. All the stories of the history that he has been taught from the Old Testament. Now, I don't know exactly the details that he was thinking. But we know that the scripture begins to unfold very early in the creation of man. Talks about the seed of a woman. (coughs) Progressing. You know, even to Moses, who the word says that one like unto him shall God raise up. It has reference to prophets. And it just unfolds of trying to reveal who one day someone would come on the scene. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Talk about an inside track. I have not seen, here, has not heard, neither in the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him, but he has revealed it unto us by his spirit. There is a realm of God in which you have experienced and know that reaches beyond the natural. It's more than words that are printed on paper. It's more than even the report of people around you, however true that might be. In life, we start out as, if we started out in the Christian faith as children, it was probably not so much of a revelation, but because of our teachings, which it starts with. What did Jesus start doing? He taught. But then teaching has, you know, something that, uh, uh, that needs for it to come alive, and that is a revelation that's brought by the Spirit. And Jesus, so emphatic about the Holy Spirit that his job and his operation and his purpose in our lives was to go ahead and bring revelation. He'll help you to understand. He'll make known to you. He will guide you. He will testify of me, of Jesus. He's going to show us who he really is. Who do you say I am? I believe that God is calling a generation to its true purpose. I believe his voice always goes out to every generation, but there is a move, there is a thrust. There is an impact of the Spirit. 
an impact that is enlarging and unfolding and, and, and getting deep into our hearts. I will be going into my 41st year as pastor of this church and almost 50 years in the ministry. And there is such an impact of the Holy Spirit in my life in the last, you know, year and a half. I don't mean. There's nothing wrong with the first years. But a dynamic call. As a time clock of God begins to wind down. And as the spirit of the Lord begins to raise up standards against, you know what I mean, the floods that have so engulfed, you know, nations and people. It is God's power, but it is your hands. And a generation that puts Christ at the center of everything they do. A revelation that impacts to such a degree that it begins to form your spiritual formation. Begins to dictate your vision that you have for life. And you begin to see that what you're doing has kingdom validity whenever you touch people with the love of Jesus and the story of the Messiah and the great works of God. That you are on a mission. You are an ambassador. Heaven has sent you into a field It may be camouflaged by, you know, the job you have. It may be obscured, you know what I mean, by the role that you play in life. But the reason we are there, the reason we are here, is that there is a gospel of a kingdom that heaven went ahead and, you know, moved the Son of God from there to here to inaugurate it, and now the Holy Spirit is calling upon us to finalize it, you know, in this age of God's grace. Do you hear what I'm saying this morning, church? To love the Lord our God with our heart and mind and soul and strength. It's the only thing that can set us free from ourselves. Yes, there's the enemy behind it. But when you look at the fall, it begins to put self first. And only Jesus Christ at the center of our living can free us from ourselves. I believe that
God's looking for a generation of Davids and Joshua's and Caleb's and Daniel's and Esther's and Ruth's and Mary's and Deborah's. I believe that he's looking for grandparents and parents and sons and daughters whose faith reigns supreme. Yes, I believe that. One of the great revelations truths is to see who we are in, in Christ. I wonder if it's time and I just merely submit this to you, not with a you know, declaration that you have them. But when Josiah came on the scene, he began to build the altars of God. Because if he was sold out to God's cause. When Joshua led the people into the promised land, there became a time when he said to them, okay, guys, here we are. But you have some idols that you brought with you from the other side of Jordan. A mixture. A mixture. Oh, yes, God. But hidden in the closets. Something about Jesus, how he impacts our lives. That irrevocably changes us. That if need be and if necessary, it can cause us to leave our family business, you know what I mean? Like it did Philip and Nathaniel. To follow the Lord. And we have many in the kingdom that that has been their role. Fact is, it was the disciples that asked the question. What is the reward of them that have left father, mother, sister, and brother? And you know, I love the Samaritan woman as she was stopped in her tracks at the well, and I mentioned this previously. Seven hundred years of prejudice melted away with one encounter with Jesus. So who do you say I am? Surveying means to look carefully, to examine, to record the areas of, and features of, so as to construct a map, a plan, or a description to appraise and to value. Jesus and the Sermon on the Mount sets the compass for life's choices. In verse 33, he says we need to see its reality. We need to set it as priority. 
We need to submit to its authority and strive for its purity. All in verse 33. Yes. The compass. The compass. I remember the prayer I made in my life. And you don't have to make this prayer, but this was this was personal. And everyone needs to have that personalization, okay? Because the Holy Spirit tells me to do something, you know what I mean, and it's not directly written, you know, you don't have to do it because it'll be a burden rather than a liberty. Whatever the Holy Spirit says. But I, you know, I, I understood that, I understood Don enough to know that Don would make requests at certain times that may not be advantageous for him. Not that God didn't, wasn't interested in it, you know. But the ultimate, reach my goal, do my purposes. And so I said to the Lord, I said, you know, this is going to happen. But I give you permission to put them on a shelf. Just so that your will and not my will might be done. Now, have I struggled with the application of that when God did it? Uh Uh-huh. Absolutely. But it is, you know, something that still lives in my life. Why is your revelation and who Jesus is so important? Because as we mentioned last week, you know what I mean? It's, it's paramount to your faith. What you believe about Jesus has significant bearing and impact on your life. Now you live for him. in what you receive from him. Who is Jesus? So as we survey, and I've got a little few minutes here, the life of Jesus, and as we analyze the work that happened, I think it's advantageous to see why the work had to be done. Why? Did he have to leave the splendors of heaven? Why did he have to become man? In what was the conditions, you know, that existed that motivated him and inspired him to do that? And there are many, of course. But that one element that we know of is sin. And it's seemingly, you know, unending effect. 
Not just on humanity and mankind, but on all of creation. That perfect environment when work was a joy and not a toil. When there was divine order. When it was God, Adam, and Eve, and creation. And in a moment's time, it became the serpent, even Adam. That divinely established order all of a sudden is in derision. Derision. Yes, that effect of sins and humanity and I want to take for a moment and paint for you the anatomy of sin. The anatomy of sin. We often, and while it's true but yet incomplete, talk about the eating of the forbidden fruit. When in reality, eating is just the external act. The external act. The eating proceeds from something else, according to the book of James. You know. It says is when we're drawn away by our own desires and entices us. What you did was not first. The disobedience or the act of disobedience was not first. According to James. And so the stages of sin is number one, it's the lure of temptation. The lure of temptation. You know, uh, sin is generated through our human desires. Because in the fall, there was a separation. Before the fall, there was unity and connection between the spirit and the soul. After the fall, it is the soul and the flesh. I believe it was Peter that talks about that there might be a sanctification, a setting apart, a reconnecting of the spirit, soul, and, and, and body. Why is something like this important? Well, because we're surveying the life of Jesus and what Jesus did is, you know what I mean, is relative to, you know, what Satan did. The cause of Christ is relative to the cause of what sin did.
First of all, Satan literally interacts with Eve. He makes some suggestions. This is how he works. He he uses complexities. But what if this? What about that? Huh? He, he puts such a mixture in it. He engages your thought life. He engages your reason life. And all those things are valuable, but it's where it's coming from. And then he projects all kinds of possibilities. And they also will bring in some difficulties. And he'll place on the table exceptions and sometimes potentials. In our society, he has been very successful in using what we call word changes. He deceives through word changes. If I can say it with mercy and grace, abortion is now reproductive freedom. Catch it how he works. Yes. He uses false labeling. And another thing that he does, he uses incomplete reports. Grasp the attention. And then, of course, that was division. That's just the first step. How many, as you have looked and observed, how many have fallen for the word changes in our society? So cunning and he's so crafty. And then, of course, there is the engagement of sin, the conception of sin, and the birth of sin, and in death. I don't think we have to, you know, discover or disclose and then really, you know, detail every one of those. Now, Adam was given a task. A task that he failed in miserably. And you know what that task was? He never spoke up. He never spoke up. God gave, you know, God gave them, you know, the task, three elements of, of their task. That was to work, to guard and to trust. Three of them. 
Where was Adam when this conversation was going on? Genesis 3, chapter 6 says he was standing right there. It says he was with them. hard to watch over but he never spoke up see being tempted is not sin but when you do nothing in the face of the temptation it is to at least open the door to the next stage of sin I'm really glad you had parents in your life, even though sometimes, you know what I mean, you wasn't all that thrilled with them. <laughs> yeah. So with that in mind, I want to encourage you to don't be afraid to speak up when it comes to your garden. You have a garden. And, you know, don't sit or stand idly by when a negotiation is going on that violates the master and the creator's word with regard to your life and your garden. Now you know about the the work in the garden, but what about the trust? This is where it comes down to church, is the trust. And it was the enemy who argued against the trust. God says, don't eat, you'll die. You don't need to experience to find out, you just need to trust and believe God. So I'm going to give the Lord a praise this morning. Am I making sense this morning, church? Because we're going to be a generation. Rising up to take our place. Generation that Paul wrote in Ephesians there, you know what I mean? That, that understand that our salvation is more than just, you know, a ticket out of this world. It is a platform. And while I don't necessarily like the word, we need to become the greatest politicians for the kingdom of God that the world has ever seen. Honest ones. And I say that not because you're not, but to encourage you in what you're doing. 
the enemy would like to minimize. You know, oh, you're only that. I'm only that, you know what I mean? But I'm divinely placed. I only do, but, you know, I've been divinely, you know, commissioned. What I am doing only makes it possible, you know what I mean, for me to have the clothes, to have the food, to be cared for on the planet while I'm here. Don't worry what you're going to eat and drink. I love God's platform. I started out life as a drywaller. Everybody know what a drywaller is? My father-in-law had a drywall business. That's how I, I mean, that's how I met my wife. You know what I mean? And a lot of good things happened after it. And in the stage of the process, of course, you know what I mean? You know, a lot of things change. Don't minimize your platform. Don't minimize your platform. You are placed in the stuff for a reason. And so... When all of creation was affected, there was very, you know, and everything got out of balance and harmony was, was lost. You know, judgment had settled in on everything and relationships all of a sudden started to, you know, be dismantled and, you know, Good things now become challenging things. Jesus came, and we will start, and there's so many reasons, but Jesus came to undo what sin had undone. And it's not just you as an individual, but all of what he had made and created, it had effect on it. It was in that moment of our deepest need and our greatest hurt, we didn't have anything to offer, nothing to give. He stepped in and brought hope. Adam was the head of what we know as a, the federation. And I'll give you a definition for that so you can understand. And the scripture comes together then, you know what I mean? God deals 
with it from a federation standpoint. In other words, there is an individual, a human individual, you know what I mean, uh, that is that acts on behalf of the rest. Right. It acts on behalf, on behalf of the rest. Not quite like a president, because we have other branches of government. Yes. It's a federation. Someone who represents Adam was the head of the first federation on earth. He was the representative, and that's why, you know, when he sinned, he is the representative, and it passes upon all humanity. Now, the good news, of course, is that Jesus, then, this is why he had to become man, is because he becomes the head of the new federation. I don't know if you're getting it. I hope you're getting it. You know, he becomes the representative. And based upon that representative, that's what God recognizes and accepts. Oh. That's what the scripture is saying. You know, when it talks about, you know what I mean, how sin passed upon and how righteousness passed upon. You know, sin entered the world through one man, you know, and through one man, righteousness will come. In the restoration of the new federation or the one man that represents us all, God did not take away free will. That's why we must accept Jesus Christ to benefit under the leadership of the what we call the new man that is in Christ Jesus. So God accepts everything. God 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 bases everything upon the representative. Hallelujah. Upon the representative. Who's the representative? Jesus. It's not your righteousness. It's his righteousness. It's his state. It's his position. It's what he has done. Man. So he's that head. And that's why musicians to come this morning. You know, to be our representative. He He obeyed where Adam failed. He became man in order to represent and obey in our place. Even so, by one man, 
obedience, many will be made righteous. The powerful impact, the powerful influence. And then we can go on, but I don't have time this morning. But next time we'll start to look at the sacrificial substitute. But I want to kind of wrap it up with a couple of statements here. In all of the bad news, the bad news of the fall, the bad news of the effects of the fall, which you still experience, not just in your personal life, but every day. You are challenged with the effects of the fall. Yep. Get out of my way. (laughs) Hello? Sure. It's so normal to life, but it's the effects of the fall. It's your fault, not my fault. It's your problem, not my problem. But the good news is, is that what Jesus accomplished is greater than the trespass of Adam. It's greater. All the bad news from the fall does not match the good news of the gospel. It doesn't. He has put all things under him, though we do not yet see all things put under him. But as far as God is concerned, the decree has been made. And it's just a matter of time. And so then he brings us to our role in life And that is to trust. To trust. Trust in the Lord with all the heart, lean not thy own understanding, in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. Jesus Christ not only defeated what sin had done he also defends what he has done stand with me this morning who do you say I am Thou art the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. He's the hope. He's the dream. He's the one that's going to set it all back in order. I mentioned last week, and that is that the enemy doesn't 
really care so much about if you discovering the facts, but he doesn't want you to see the preciousness. The preciousness of the work of Jesus Christ. All creation groans and travails. All the chaos, you know, all the misalignments, all the problematics in nature have been affected by a a fall. When he walked on the waters and when he calmed the storms, he's just showing you a little picture that he is the master of creation. When he heals the sick, he's showing you that he is Lord over the body. Who is Jesus? Paul said, I hope and pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you could move past just your saving faith to see, you know what I mean, your place and your position, you know, and your purpose and your hope that God wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Everything becomes validated by the resurrection. It does. It becomes validated. Let's sing a song as we close this out. It says that much more much more. Remember I told you the bad news does not match the good news. Much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign through the one Jesus Christ. Don't get beset by the Toil that goes into your journey. Get encouraged by the victory and the power and the hope and the expectations. The toil is not going away in this season of life. Now, the devil is not yet bound. He's restricted, but he's not bound. Yeah. But Jesus, Jesus, everybody say Jesus. Yeah, Jesus. It pleased the Father that in him should dwell all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In other words, he's saying he is the head of the new federation 
of a new creation. He has earned the right. He has earned the right. He has given him a name that's above every other name. It's not just some letters put together, you know. It is the life and the work that he did. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. Amen. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.